you came in, you averaged 24 points your freshman year, which is like, who does that? <laughs> and then you have an elite eight, you have a final four, you have these amazing mm. experiences. And then COVID hit your junior year, which when you ended up graduating. Yeah. I know. And I know <laughs> there's a lot of talk about what you guys would have done that year. So COVID mm. happened. Do you, do you guys think you would have won the Natty? Yes. See, I knew that was going to be your answer. Yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I had to play you guys, what, three times that year? It was like, how do you scout these people? It was horrible. It was actually- Yeah, no, it was a lot. But I mean, you, you guys were really the ones that we were also really trying to prepare for. So it was always a battle with Stanford, always. Please, you guys won by like 30 or something. <laughs> it, we were on a mission. We were on a mission. <laughs> Welcome back to Sometimes I Hoop. Today, we've got another bucket on the pod. Two-time All-Star, Pac-12 legend, number two pick in the 2020 draft, and AP Most Improved Player, none other than Satu Sabali. Thank you for hopping on the pod. Thanks for having me. <laughs> oh my gosh, of course. Well, we'll just jump into the landscape right now. Playoffs are here, and you guys clinch your mm-hmm. spot by taking the W against Indiana, where you had a career high of 40 points and seven threes, which is the first person to ever do that, playing less than 30 minutes. So just what was that game like, being able to clinch the playoffs, have the biggest game of your career? Um, I feel like I was just in my zone. It was a game that we really wanted to win, and we just went into like super energetically. And the shots were falling for me and my team was feeding me. And I feel like it was just a game that really clicked. So after, I don't know, I feel like after the third quarter, I looked up and they're saying, oh, you need to, you need to go for 40. I said, what? I just, I just see the 30 up there. I'm like, all right, okay, let's do this. <laughs> all right, then, let's do it. I mean, mm-hmm. it's clicking, it's clicking. You got to feed the hot hand. You know it. <laughs> exactly. And you, you know, it's not really a secret. You've been having this amazing season, averaging mm-hmm. 18 and a half points a game. What's been clicking for you this year compared to previous seasons? I think it was really everything coming together. The experience, actually being on the court and playing in my first real healthy season. Then comes also the euphoria of actually being able to play and feeling free and knowing what to expect from the game. So I think it really came all together and I felt finally good on the court and I knew that, hey, like I belong here. So let me just play the game of basketball that I do. Yeah, I mean, you can see, you can feel that energy from you watching you play. And I got to watch you play at Oregon and then obviously overseas and all these different things, but you're playing with that freedom. And it seems like that's where you're playing best. Just being able to be yourself, be the unicorn, do everything that you do out there. on. (laughs) So, I mean, headed into, I think this will be your third playoffs. You've been in it prior. What do you feel like you're taking into this year now that you're an experienced, almost vet in the league, just having that underneath your belt? I think it was just expected. I expected it to be in the playoffs and I was like, okay. And now I'm here and I'm like, okay, now I feel like the show begins. Previously, it was such a hard fight to even make it. (laughs) We were, you know, we were the youngest team in the league. So we were just like scratching and we always made the playoffs then in the end, but it was like really, really hard to get there. And then we were just, okay, now we're in the playoffs and let's see what's going to happen. Now I know what's going to happen. Everyone is just going to turn up (laughs) and uh, top it off a notch. But I was just impressed by how much the veteran players increased their intensity. The speed was a lot faster and it was just, you could tell, okay, players, like this is where it gets really serious for the older players. And it kind of hit me out of nowhere at first, but now I, I know what to expect. 
Yeah. I mean, you're almost to that veteran status nowadays. So yeah, <laughs> we're expected to make the playoffs this year. And you guys have really capitalized on that young talent that you've had kind of becoming older, more seasoned, more mature. And so mm-hmm. it's going to be an exciting playoffs run. I know I'll see you guys soon, but looking at the greater landscape, who do you feel like is a sleeper team heading into this playoff season? I would give it to many. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they can really shake some things up and maybe Washington as well because they're finally healthy and, you know, you never know (laughs) what a fully healthy team. So I think those two could shake some things up, but definitely many. I completely agree. I feel like many had a really slow start, but once things started clicking for them, they were completely Mm -hmm. different. And then, like you said, Washington, they've been dealing with injuries all year long. And then when you look at that roster at full health, it's like, they're so so good. (laughs) They're so good. So it's going to be really exciting to watch both of those series. But I feel like as we head into this point in time, it's also kind of award time. And a big thing that people are talking about right now is the MVP race. So don't ask me that. I got got to ask. I got to ask. So who's your prediction for MVP? It's so hard, you know, and I have a funny perspective on it because I'm like, obviously, Asia is a bucket. She is unstoppable. Stewie is to me legit the best player out here right now. Like she's so good. Yeah. Alyssa Thomas is just dropping triple doubles though, and the talk is not enough around that. Yeah. And mind you, you know, with Jones being out, I feel like she's just so valuable because she is still in third place. And I mean, she's in third place in the WNBA, and the other teams have super teams around them. So obviously, the MVP conversation now we can, you know, go to the definition of it and how you really make that up. Yeah. I, I don't think Connecticut would be anywhere near where they are right now without Alyssa Thomas. And New York and Vegas, you could argue. You could argue. They're super teams. So, yeah. But kudos to everyone. But I, I might <laughs> give it to Alyssa. I might give it to Alyssa just because yeah. the triple doubles, it's just not normal. It's just truly not normal. No, well, I mean, I agree with you, honestly. I think Asia and Stewie, like you said, all the kudos in the world. They're both amazing. <laughs> They're both unstoppable buckets. But like... For Alyssa Thomas to be doing what she's doing from a forward mm. kind of now makeshift center with Jones out, still averaging. Yeah. Like, I feel like every time I open up Twitter or Instagram, it's like Alyssa Thomas triple double. Alyssa Thomas averaging <laughs> it. I'm like, how is this happening? Yeah. I, mean, I think it's just amazing. Like you said, I feel like it's not out in the media enough of just mm-hmm. how incredible of a season she's having. Yeah. So, it's hard to do it all. It's hard to do it all and still. I mean, it's not like she's in sixth place. You know, she's in third place. So (laughs) I'm with you. Kind of on the flip side of that, we're talking about MVPs, but not really an award. But who Mm -hmm. would you say was the most underrated W player right now or really just this whole season? Somebody who didn't get enough shine for all the things they were doing. You know, I really, really like Diamond Miller. She's, you know, super young, new in the league. And what she's been doing, like Minnesota is there because of her as well. And she's a really interesting player to me because she plays so hard and like smart. Like she moves smart on the court and I feel like there will be a lot more to come from her. So I think she's, she just fell under the radar a little bit, but what she's been doing is really, truly impressive. No, I totally agree. I mean, mm-hmm. we're in the same rookie class and I think that she's had an amazing season mm-hmm. and like Nafis is amazing. And so you really got to focus the yeah. scout on her, but mm-hmm. diamond being one of those key pieces around her really mm-hmm. makes it hard to guard Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Like 
She's a menace on defense. She's so long. Like there's just all so long, great hands. So yeah. Long. yeah. <laughs> it's just a lot that adds to her game. Mm-hmm. It's really cool getting to see all these other rookies just shine this year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, you're I mean, your your class is just great. It's yeah. been it's been fun to watch also because I feel like I've been so close to my rookie years and how I was thinking and just seeing new people coming from college into the league and excelling truly like you all are doing great and it's just really cool to see the growth is there <laughs> the growth is there in the adjustment from college to the WNBA is wild just the quickness and just all of a sudden you're here you're a pro mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and really everything that comes with it too I think that was a lot for me yeah well we'll take it back a little bit just into how you got into basketball so I mean mm-hmm. you lived in Gambia as a baby and then you moved to Berlin so how did the ball get into your hands? What was that adjustment like for you moving? Just kind of how was basketball a consistent thing in your life or how did that work? Um, so, yeah, we traveled around a lot. And once we were in Berlin, I was about nine years old and I was just on a playground and I'm tall. So like I'm with my siblings and my first coach, she saw us and was just like, because it was right next to the school and she talked to our mom if we wouldn't want to come to a girls basketball day. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know any type of basketball, but I was just there and had so much fun and, you know, learned how to dribble for the first time. And I think since then, I really never really let go from the game. And I just started to started to love it. That's amazing. It's crazy how just one person can introduce you to something. And then all of a sudden, here you are in the WNBA having this. Yeah, <laughs> that one person. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you know, you go to your first camp and then you're the only girl on your first youth team. So what was that experience like being the only girl on a youth team? I feel like <laughs> young boys are very like, okay, yeah, out of the girl, all this different stuff. So what was that experience like? Just like that at first, you know, I, I didn't get any balls. <laughs> I was just running <laughs> up and down uh, and shooting sometimes when you would get it. But I think at some point I was just so comfortable and I was getting better. And then, I mean, the guys on the team were great. Like I truly loved my first basketball team. I don't know. It, then it just became to the point where I was the best player on the team and <laughs> we would just hoop and it was the most normal thing. But I always had to be in a different dressing room. Like that was annoying then. You know, as the only girl in the team, sometimes you, you know, you're the only girl. You want to be around other girls. So at, when I was like 13, 14, I switched to the, my first girls team. And it's different in Germany because we don't have sports in school. So growing up with basketball, did you have the expectation to play pro in Europe, represent Germany, or was the goal to play in the States or just kind of what were your aspirations growing up with basketball? At first, I just wanted to have fun and win all the games. So the further I got and then it was being a German champion, you know, when you're like under 14, you get drafted to the national team. And through the national team, I found out, you know, who the good players are in Germany and where they go after they're a while. And some would go in like the first division. I only had a second division team in Berlin. So I moved from Berlin to South Germany to play like in the first division when I was 17 in Freiburg. And then I already knew I wanted to go to college because I wanted to graduate from college and do sports. And that's not really, it's not really easy like that in uh, in Germany because we don't have the same setup. Like we don't have an academic center and that works with the sports team. And yeah, we just don't have that same setup. And so I've been really fortunate to go to Oregon and had great three years and it was just great. So I think when I was younger, I just wanted that experience of being able to study and do sports. 
And then at some point I realized, oh my God, I could go to the league. So <laughs> that, was, <laughs> that was obviously a dream, but I feel like it came sooner than I thought it would just because I completed so many steps in between that it seems so long, but um, it came really, it came really fast. Yeah. And I mean, you mentioned your time at Oregon, which was a historic career really and at Oregon I mean I took a visit there you're my host and all these different things like I love that by the way (laughs) (laughs) I mean Oregon just has this like amazing culture to support their athletes like they have that whole new glass building just for Jake (laughs) like it's insane and so it seems like you know did you find the best of both worlds at Oregon and what you're looking for because you graduated in three, which is mm-hmm. also very academically impressive. So Thank you. You know, what were your years like at Oregon? I would say busy, busy, busy. I wanted to soak in everything. So for me, the language was freshman year. The language was a thing because I had to learn academic English and, you yeah. know, writing papers. So it was just really tiring and a lot. And I'm an overachiever. So I was already in the 300, 400 level international law classes was humbled, <laughs> was humbled, <laughs> Happy, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but then throughout the time, I was just able to take a lot of credits because I finally, it, the language just clicked. It was easier for me. So I, I really prioritized school and wanted to be able to graduate in three years. I kind of wanted to just work ahead of that. The days are just busy tutoring. Oregon itself was, was a dream. Like you walk to class and the trees are just towering over you. The air is amazing. And the arena is one of a kind. So I had a I had a great team. I wouldn't do anything different. Like I had a great college experience and the games are self-explanatory. Yeah. I mean, you came in, you averaged 24 points your freshman year, which is like, who does that? (laughs) And then you have an elite eight, you have a final four, you have these amazing Mm. experiences. And then COVID hit your junior year, which when you ended up graduating, I know. And I know (laughs) there's a lot of talk about what you guys would have done that year. So Mm. happened. Do you, do you guys think you would have won the Natty? Yes. Yes. See, I knew that was going to be your answer. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Ty and I. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, I had to play you guys, what, three times that year? It was like, how do you scout these people? It was horrible. It was actually. Yeah, no, it was a lot. But I mean, you, you guys were really the ones that we were also really trying to prepare for. So it was always a battle with Stanford. Always. Please, you guys won by like 30 or something. (laughs) We were on a mission. We were on a mission. But I mean, you just talk about the talent that was on that team. You, Ruthie, Sabrina, then you have somebody like Mm -hmm. Mignon come in and just be a complete spark. What was it like to have so much talent and so much, just Mm -hmm. being able to grow from one another, all those different things. Mm -hmm. What was that year like with that talented team? It was so much fun. And I think we had the most competitive practices ever. We would kill each other in practice um, because we're all just so competitive and we would hang out in the apartments all together, you know, afterwards. Like we were so tightly knit through that competitiveness and we were all on the same page of what we wanted to achieve. So it was just great. I feel like whatever happened, good or bad, we stuck through it together. And then the worst thing in the world happened and COVID hit. So I guess we stuck really through that. (laughs) But It was just a great journey. Really, truly, the practices were something that I just remember because we were so competitive and wanted, knew what we want. Yeah. And you talked about COVID hitting and it changed the trajectory of everything. So you ended up graduating in three years. Did you plan to graduate in three or did COVID kind of change the plan? I wanted to graduate in three, but I also didn't know if I wanted to go back to pursue law school. I wanted to, but 
I would have had to graduate within seven years in the state of Oregon. And it was just, there were a lot of limitations that where I knew I'm not going to be able to do that. So I kind of knew, okay, if I don't go back to school, if things were not really in COVID was so uncertain still in college. So I just knew, okay, this is maybe the year for me to just go and leave, you know, college behind me. But I really wanted to play with my sister Nyara. So that was a big factor why that was really the biggest factor also why I was so hesitant to make that decision. But I think it was the right one. Yeah, I mean, it ended up being the right one. But mm-hmm. talk about your sister Niara and your brother, you guys are all these basketball superstars from a super family, basically. So yeah. now when Niara comes and comes to Oregon the next year, how exciting was that to have your sister be not where you are, but at least you guys are now like mm-hmm. close enough to be able to go to her game. She comes to yours, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so how special is just that bond that you and Yara have and now getting to play against each other in the league? It's so special. After games, we can just check in on each other. It's different because you experience it together. So that gap is not there anymore. But the best thing to me is obviously being able to speak German. And I think you just speak different with your sister And, you know, your brother and it's just something that connects us the most. So I feel like I can just have a break from actually not being at home. And I have a piece of home with me now at all times. And it feels so much closer. No, I mean, that is so special. First of all, the sibling relationship is something that is very hard (laughs) to be, like, mimicked by anything else. It's Mm -hmm. really special. And then on top of that, you know, you get to speak your native tongue and all these different things. Mm So, I mean, it's really cool to have her and talk to her and still compete. But after games sister to check in. Okay, so moving into your draft, your second overall pick in the 2020 draft, COVID year with the virtual, but you still the fire fit. You got two fits to honor your roots with the German sweatshirt, the Gambian inspired suit. So what was your draft experience like? And talk me through the outfit and how that came about. It was such a unique experience. (laughs) So the draft was really special because I was still in Eugene. The world was shut down. So we had to keep it, you know, with a close group. And I was able to do it in a gym and have um, my coach there and my brother and my sister. It was just a whole cool setup. We draped up some African fabrics in the in the background and made it home. I had my whole family on Zoom with me. I have a huge family. I have like six siblings. So they were you know, we're all scattered throughout the world and my whole family. So that was a nice way of coming together. It was the beginning of COVID. So we were all still figuring that part out. <laughs> it was sad that I wasn't in New York for like a big draft, but I really kind of enjoyed also the experience of being at home, doing the interviews at home and kind of having that whole whole program set up for such a special day. I guess it didn't dawn on me how big that really was until I actually played in the league. I feel like I never had that regular draft experience where you feel like your name is being called up. Like everything was still so weird. So a unique experience, I would say. No, for sure. I mean, it's very different. We had ours in New York and you feel the name called. And for you, it was different. But mm-hmm. I mean, getting to have your brother and sister there. And I'm sure the family in insanely large Zoom, everybody on different times. Yes. I bet yes. that was the whole thing to get together. No chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. But I mean, it's still such a special experience. And it's like you said, like when it happens, it's like, okay, well, this was the path. This is what I planned. But like once you get to training camp and you put on the uniform, all this stuff, it's the real deal. So, you know, what was that adjustment like for you moving to Eugene, coming to Dallas and then getting to your first training camp? How did that go? It was a lot. It was such a such an increase of level of play. 
that I really had to get adjusted to that. But I, I was also doing well. And I think I just had a great team to be around. We had a lot of fun. I had great roommates. And the bubble was just a cool experience because you had so many games. And all you did was play basketball and, you know, stay on the premises. But it was really just like an overload of basketball. So I don't even remember a lot of things until I, I went outside the bubble. And I just felt so awkward and I realized, okay, well, I just played a whole WNBA season, but it was definitely tasking. Yeah. I mean, that bubble seemed insane. Like you're all yeah. <laughs> one little premises doing one. I'm sure it was barely any practice, just playing games, which is the best. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talked about just the level of play being increased when you get to the mm-hmm. league. So what was the biggest adjustment that you had to make um, for you being who you are, mm-hmm. changing your style of play? Well, not really change your style of play, but just how did you adjust from college to the pro lifestyle, really? I also switched positions, kind of. I was more in a four spot than I was a three. And I was in a lot of pick and roll. So I think the physicality of that was a lot for me. And defending people like Stewie, people like Asia, you know, people yeah. like... Alyssa, like all these people are on the fourth spot and it was really, you know, Candace Parker was there too. So it was just (laughs) every day I felt like I was going against a superstar. But the second time I faced them, I I kind of took the things from the first game with me. And I think that's how I continue to learn throughout the season. I learned so much throughout the three years just by just watching the game. And I think you can learn actually a lot of good basketball from like the WNBA because we we have such great play schemes and we play at such a great pace and have to finesse a lot of things. And I learned so much by just playing and watching the league for three years. No, I mean, you're completely right. Like looking at some of these scouting reports and it's like, okay, you're going to guard Diana Taurasi. You're guarding this person. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So the first go around, you're like, what am I supposed to do to slow down these people? Because you're not going to mm-hmm. stop them, but like slow it down, make it difficult <laughs> for them. Yeah. But I mean, you're make it a tough right. shot. <laughs> oh, yeah. Make everything tough. But it's just like learning the game, watching film, becoming a student. You can learn so much from players like, you know, they score on you. You're like, OK, well, now let me watch it. Let me take something from their game. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you talked about guarding Stewie, Asia, Candace, all your rookie year. Was there a moment in time where you had like, you know, that rookie embarrassment? We were like, all right, <laughs> this is your welcome to the league. Like now I'm here. This is what I yeah. do. We lost by like, we had this one game against Connecticut and I really take it personal. <laughs> um, to this day, they were, I think it was the first quarter and they were like up 20 to two. It was so humiliating. Like, it's just, it just doesn't have to happen like that. (laughs) So um, that was something where I was like, okay, I'm a rookie. These people are in the finals at the end of the year. Let me just relax and learn from them. And next game, I'm not, this is not going to happen again. I knew that. (laughs) So, I mean, on the flip side of that, learning from those rookie mistakes, rookie experiences, you know, adjusting to the league. When did you have that game or just kind of, Those moments we were like, okay, like I can play with these people. I belong in this league. Like I can do X, Y, Z to show why I'm here as well. I think the first big game that I had, I had like a double-double of like 15 and 17. And I remember that game being so, like I just felt really dominant and the numbers showed it. And I'm like, okay, this is, I can do this. I can do this. It was more like a comfort thing, but like my three-pointers were just not falling in my first year. It was horrible. I thought the world is going, like, I can't shoot. (laughs) But just, exactly, just finding the confidence within the work you put in. 
really, truly. That is that. So I always relied on, hey, I was shooting extra. So I, there's nothing else I can do. I, I will keep shooting. At some point, it's bound to fall. It's, it's, yeah, bound. it will go in. <laughs> yeah, please. So, you know, you have this great rookie year. And then after you do, you play in Turkey. So was overseas something that you were excited to kind of go back to, uh, to go back to Europe? all these different things after the WNBA season was that always the plan because nowadays not everybody wants to go overseas Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. you know what was that overseas rookie season like for you I loved it it was still within these COVID times so obviously like the it was kind of low in the city but playing overseas to me was great because I was able to just play and actually play you know European style of basketball which is also a little bit different I was able to learn from other people like vets like Kia Vaughn or like Jasmine Thomas were on my team and Kia Stokes. So I had great people around me where I felt like, okay, I could continue to learn in the off season and put in the work and also make money. Like I financially, that was so amazing to me. And I I was like, okay, of course, I don't want to just sit and not, you know, make money, (laughs) but I'm also someone that wants to play. And I knew I don't want to sit out all year. I want to compete. So that competition level aspect was something, okay, I want to win a yearly championship. I wanted that because it, I feel like it takes a block on a, on a world map, you know, <laughs> that was the goal. Well, yeah, no, that's really cool. You talk about, you know, the different opportunities playing overseas, but a lot of people talk about playing overseas. Like you mentioned, there's a different style of play overseas mm-hmm. compared to here. So what things did you really take that had a big impact on your game? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say... I learned a lot like spacing and play calling overseas. I really learned why I played a play. And I think in our practices, like in the WNBA, we don't have a lot of time. Yeah. We have a training camp of like two weeks and then you just continue, you just play. So you either learn by yourself and you soak everything in. But I think overseas, when you're able to just kind of play and free yourself from that pressure to perform right away the first years, you actually learn why you do certain things. And that is something I took with me. And I do think in Europe, like the play calling is also different. We use different type of systems. So just knowing different schemes and how you set a screen and then open up. Uh, if you do different type of schemes, you learn different type of windows and openings within the, you know, the game. So I think that was always interesting to me. Just learning the game, that was something that I got from, from being overseas in addition to the W. I mean, you're completely right. We have a two-week training camp and then all of a sudden it's go time. Yeah. It's time to play insane. <laughs> but I mean, to have that experience to really get to learn and grow, not just, you know, mm-hmm. skill-wise, but seeing the game from a different point of view, understanding different mm-hmm. plays, dividends now to what you're doing, which is amazing. But I mean, you talked Thank about you. three times Turkish League champ, all these different things that, you know, checking off all those different things off the bucket list, what else is on the bucket list for you? WNBA championship. (laughs) Yep. Yep. (laughs) Um, For sure. For sure. Then, I mean, I would love to be in the Olympics. I think that is something that now is a goal of mine. And with Germany competing in the qualifying tournament in February, I think we can really shake some things up and qualify for the Olympics. So that is a big goal of mine, especially for the year looking forward. And the dream come true. Yeah, that is definitely on the list. And then so many more things, but you know, I can't spell all my secrets. (laughs) (laughs) Understandable. I'm with you. Um, Okay, so you have this amazing year overseas. You come Mm -hmm. back your second year and you got selected to your first All-Star game, which is amazing to do in such an early part of your career. So a lot of people say 
great things about you and your game, calling you the unicorn, all these different things. But what's been the most meaningful compliment that you've gotten about somebody talking about you and your game? That mm, it just flows. <laughs> That's a good one. Like smooth. Yeah, smooth. Yeah, yeah. Like the other day, someone, someone described it smooth. And I'm like, yeah, like it just it just flows. It just fits. I don't know. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> it just fits. <laughs> I mean, I think that's that's totally true. It's like, you know, when you watch somebody like you play, it looks like it comes easy. And obviously it's not. You're working very hard. But mm. when you watch some people play, it's like, wow, that looks hard. Like they are <laughs> working. Like all this yeah. stuff. But, you know, you can get different things from their game. And when you play it, it's smooth. It flows. It's easy. Right. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> you, know, you love that. And yeah. awards on out, but everybody's saying that you are locked in for most improved. So do you feel like this year has been different for you and what's allowed that to happen? For sure. I think um, I would say the difference is consistency, mm-hmm. consistency. Taking one game at a time has really helped me not to get ahead of myself in any type of way. And I really just focus, okay, this game, this is what I have to do. And also seeing the individuality of games and um, not clustering them all together. What I do against, you know, you guys is different what I can do against LA. Obviously, I know what I want to do, but I also know what people will take away from me. So um, that consistency and preparedness is something that, that was just different. So I feel like that set me up for a good season. Yeah. And I mean, we had Natasha on the show and she talked just so highly of you. Yeah, I love her. <laughs> and Enrique has talked about your potential being limitless and coach calls you brilliant, all these different things. But mm-hmm. how has it been having Natasha's leadership on the team this year? How has that impacted the team, but also you individually? It's impacted us greatly. She She's so calm and she just knows so much. And you can always tell she's listening a lot. And then she gives her feedback. And, you know, when she speaks, you just listen because she's a three-time champion. You know, she knows so much and she kind of always hits it right on the nail. So she's been a great addition off the court and on the court. I mean, she's putting down numbers that that are just great. And she shows why she's an all-star. She shows why she's a champion. The best thing that I, I just have from her is just having a resource to ask questions because she's played all over the world. She knows what's What's important, for example, in contract negotiations, you know, like using that as a using a person like her as a resource is something that I would advise younger players so much, you know, talk to your older players and ask them, ask them about things that are important, what you need to pay attention to, what advice they would give you for your first year compared to your fifth or sixth year. So she's been great for that. And I really appreciate how open and honest she, she always is. Yeah, I mean, it's so special to have such a veteran presence like that on a team just the dividends mm-hmm. I've talked to different rookies around the league and just the different vet experiences that you have it really makes yeah. you best to you know have somebody like Natasha for you having for me having somebody like Danielle Robinson has been amazing exactly um, and then I Kia is like on staff here now so getting to ask her all these different questions it's amazing yeah. just talking about your time in Dallas you've had I want to say Coach Trammell is your third head coach in four mm-hmm. seasons in Dallas. So how have you seen the franchise change throughout your mm-hmm. time there? So much. And I think I've really grown up and Dallas has also grown up uh, because now they're like, we're at such a different level than when we were when I got drafted here. You know, we, they take care of us. It's so nice. Like College Park Center, we sell it out. The environment is just great. 
we have a really great family environment and I think it reflects itself now too in the locker room. I think the ground stones for a great culture have been built now and now we cannot add up to, to so many more things because it's such a great city. We have amazing fans. Um, like we're, we're just here hooping and, and things could like, they couldn't be better. He's just out here hooping, just doing the thing. Yeah. Like it's, it's really fun. Like we have a good squad going and I think it just reflects itself by what we gave us feedback, you know, how, how a team decides to also run within the next years depends a lot on the players and if they listen to the players. And I think there was a lot of, um, a lot of working together into becoming, you know, where we are now. Yeah. And I mean, that young group that you talked about that you kind of came in with and had the opportunity to grow with one of those other key pieces outside of you is Arike. And so mm-hmm. just talk a little bit about the chemistry that the two of you have on the court, because it seems seamless and Arike's mm-hmm. game. There's so much to our game. Like we talked about having the best handled, creating shots, all these different amazing mm-hmm. things. Talk a little bit about the chemistry that the two of you have really created in Dallas to now kind of be the cornerstone of the organization. Yeah. It's so powerful and it just works. Like yeah. we, I think we're both so, competitive too and really want to win and it just kind of fits it just fits on a court you have to pay a lot of attention on Arike obviously I benefit from that and the other way around so I think over the years we figured out okay if the defense moves even a little bit to one person the other person will get the ball and gets the shot it's been good to see that develop because you know in the beginning obviously we had to get used to each other and now I think we've just played so many years together that it just fits there's so much experience that comes with it and again, having the same goal just always helped. It makes everything easy. Yeah. What a win. Yeah. You're going to put that first. Everything's easy. Mm-hmm. Your sister, Niara, who we talked about previously, plays for mm-hmm. Liberty, also played at Oregon. So we talked a little bit about your relationship, but what has it been like as an older sister, watch your younger sister go through her journey and get to be her support system as she goes through it? I'm so proud. And I'm so proud that she's going her own way and that she's doing so many things on like such a successful level um the injuries that she had to overcome she handled it with so much poise and grace that it doesn't seem like she had to go through so much and when she moves when you see her on the court it just looks like yeah this is this is why she's here and this is why she belongs because she's just so good so me as the older sister I'm just proud to watch like it's it's so cool to See her journey start now and I already know, you know, in five years, hopefully we'll be at All-Star together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you really never know that she had the injuries. Like she moves so smooth. She does. Yeah. It looks so yeah. great, mm-hmm. which is really exciting to see. You know, you talked a little bit about the league. You know, there's been a lot of stuff going on in terms of the chartered flights and mm-hmm. the different changes with that. And then obviously a lot of things with fans this season and people don't really expect us to call things out when there are problems. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a difference. Mm -hmm. You can be grateful for where you are, us being a WNBA, but also Mm -hmm. there's still things to grow, right? And you Mm -hmm. have to focus on that. So what's led you? You've definitely been someone to be outspoken, which is so inspiring to see, you know, and it really allows other people to speak up. So what's led you to, you know, be comfortable and be proud and honest about these different things that you have to say to better the league that we're in? I say I've had great people who paved the way, you know, who've who've made it possible that I can that I can speak so freely and that I am able to demand more. Yeah. I was in a newer CBA, so other people, you know, they were saying, Okay, yeah, we had to share rooms in the hotels. Now of course you're happy that you get a hotel room paid for and you're happy that you spend time with your teammate, 
but you deserve your own room. And I'm in that CBA where I have my own room and I love it. I love that privacy. I love the extra time that I have by myself because we're yeah. constantly around 20 people. All the time. Minimum. All the time. <laughs> you know, you enjoy your alone time sometimes. So little things like that are just some things that we were able to demand because other people demanded something else. And it goes all the way to charters, you know, like the response, if we are vocal, they will not respond if we don't demand for things that we think need to be cha- changed, right? And there's always a player interest and a business side of interest, but finding that equilibrium will will make the league just grow even faster because we're able to perform, you know, we're able to feel comfortable and healthy and feel like we get what we deserve as players. But the W also profits because we perform. <laughs> we we put on the highlights. We're the ones. We're the ones uh, performing and working hard and um, playing the game that inspires so many. So I think we we deserve to be in a spot where we ask for things. I mean, you're completely right. And now with mm-hmm. your position on the WMB mm-hmm. Social Justice Council, what do you mm-hmm. feel like you being on that council, having this voice, you know, kind of speaking up for the league and all the different women inside of it? How has that mm-hmm. experience been? Getting to kind of have your voice really be heard, right? Like you're yeah. in those rooms, you're saying these different things. What has that experience been like getting to be on that council and really focus mm-hmm. on the things that you want to bring to the front? It feels empowering. It feels validating. Like it just feels like finally things are happening that are just so important. Obviously you always have to do your research. And I think that COVID wave and all the things that happen around social justice and the like I feel like a mirror was finally held in front of everyone's face and was like, okay, who do you want to be? And I feel like I just didn't want to be a person that was just quiet and keep things to myself and see things happening. You know, I don't have a child, but I care about childcare. Mm-hmm. I'm a woman and I care about you as a woman having a nanny so you can fulfill the things that you need to do uh, or dream of. It's just actually being genuinely interested in the well-being of other people where I know that they deserve that. And I feel like that's just me being a person. And then obviously when I know things, I feel like I can talk about it. And I'm always, I'm the first friend to be, you know, in political discussions with their friends respectfully. Uh, I think it's always great to have an open conversation and to actually listen. And the listening part is something that we all lack a little bit as a society, because I feel like we would have a lot better dialogue if we would actually care and listen to what the other person said. I mean, you're, mm-hmm. you're, you're hitting it on the mark and you do it <laughs> um, as one of our representatives. I think just for all the things that you've said, just getting to know you a little bit here and there and hearing all the different opinions about you, I only hear good things about how you're compassionate. You listen first. And so I think it's really important for us as players to have somebody like mm-hmm. counsel who you're not just pushing your own agenda, right? You're listening to everybody in the league, all these different women you're surrounding by, taking mm-hmm. that into account, finding the best way to then push that forward for the betterment of mm-hmm. the league. And you do it in other ways, working with Jordan Brand, opening a court for girls in Berlin, doing all these different things, having a partnership with UNICEF. Like it just mm-hmm. speaks to who you are as a person which I think is really special. So kudos to you for all those. Thank you. (laughs) We'll head into our last portion here, which is Mm -hmm. rapid fire questions. We've had different guests. I hate those. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it's called, it's called our vibe tech. And I believe that it's, you're going to do great. I, you know, we've had a lot of different guests do different things. So I believe in you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Okay. So starting with this year's draft, who was stressed at this year's draft? Best dress. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, uh oh. 
we're already slacking on the on the rapid fire. You know, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of because uh, Destiny Henderson, but she was she rookie this year or last? No, year? that was last year. But hers was, that was last, year. last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because she kind of popped in this year. Yeah. Um, who was one of the rookies that was dressing? Shoot me some names. You could say Haley. <laughs> I could really say you because you do. Yeah, you do dress. You, you do. do dress, and I do follow you. So I feel like yeah, I like your outfits. Appreciate it's it. It's you, girl. It's you, okay. girl. Appreciate it. Okay, so a lot of people have said you for this question, but who's best dressed in the league? You know what? I, I'm giving it to Diamond because the way she she didn't play too much in the league, but she, I'm giving it to Diamond. Every time she steps in the locker room, I'm like, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's a bit. <laughs> and then me. And then me. <laughs> okay, okay. I love that. Love the teammate support. Okay, so what's a drill that you never want to see on your practice plan? Mm. You know a drill when... Kobe ran like to the half court and then defended all the way back oh, and then yeah, ran to the half court. Yeah, uh-huh. like eight times. I just don't want to see that. Oh, that sounds awful. Yeah, no yeah. thing. Yeah. Skip yeah. that. <laughs> um, game winning shot or game winning block? Ah, game winning shot. Game winning okay. shot, but it's a great feeling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, and one or three pointer? And one. What is the toughest place to play in the W? Mm, Connecticut. Oh, yeah. It's a casino. It's a casino. It's a party. (laughs) What's your go-to trash talk line? Mm, It wasn't even like that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm weak. Okay. Um, It's passive aggressive, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost something called, but like you still feel me. Yeah. All right. Who's the biggest trash talker in the league? Do we want to start something? (laughs) (laughs) We want to start. We want to start. Diana, Diana, but in a funny way. Okay. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love DT. <laughs> okay. Who's the hardest player you've had to guard? I would say Asia. He's got the best handles. Mm, Arike. Yeah, a lot we've gotten a lot of Arike. A lot of Arike. Yeah. Who's the biggest flopper in the league? Another question to start things, but but we've we've got a good few answers here. Benaja Lamy. <laughs> Okay. Okay. What's your biggest basketball ick? Flopping. The worst. It's just what are you? Why? And I think you should really get. They should start finding people for flopping. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, it's just <laughs> it's just a lot. It's just a lot. Then country that you haven't played in but want to. I would love to play in. You know, I would love to play in Nigeria one day. Okay. okay yeah, I think that would be really cool. Yeah. Nigeria or Senegal. Senegal is closer to home. Okay, so either mm-hmm. of the two. Love that. Yeah. Okay, I know you guys have a lot of different jersey ways at Oregon, all different colors. So what was the best jersey colorway at Oregon? We had this black jersey our last year with puddles on the side of our side. Oh, and wow. And puddles big on our chest, and it was so fire. Like, it, it <laughs> kind of reminded me of, like, Jamaica, Jamaica Duck. Okay. You know, that was the vibe and that was the best jersey we had. Jamaica and Eugene. Love it. Um, yep. <laughs> yeah, mom. <laughs> okay. Then who's your GOAT? Maya Moore. And then your best impersonation of Coach Trammell. Oh, man. This is so good. I just want to give her a chest bump. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That's what Natasha said. She said she's always down to chest bump somebody. Always. And she got some power. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yes. This has been so amazing having you on Satsu. It's always wonderful to chat. Thank you. It's always great to see you too. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's so funny when we were both just subbed in and we were just both on the side <laughs> oh my gosh your hair looks so cute how are your you your hair looks great <laughs> i almost had me so pressed too and i was thinking about you <laughs> oh my gosh love it okay this has been amazing and thank you everybody for listening we'll be mm. back next week with another episode of sometimes i hoop catch me and satu battling it out <laughs> play a wrong one wrong <laughs> one <laughs> Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to Sometimes I Hoop. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Haley.Jones, that's no I in Haley, and three S's in Jones, to get all the Sometimes I Hoop content. You can also watch the episodes on the Players Tribune YouTube page. Thanks again for all your support. The Players Tribune.com.